0: Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. This is episode 9, The Crowd is Getting Restless. My name is Tim. I am your host. Uh, this week I thought I'd start by reading the verses that Steve will be teaching out of. I got lots of positive comments actually on our story time from a few episodes ago when I was reading out of one of Steve's books. So I thought we'd start by just reading the verses, uh, verses 28 through 40 of John chapter 6. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So that was John chapter 6, verses 28 through 40. And now we'll join in as Steve is teaching on those very verses. Let's
1: deal with this passage, and then we'll finish with 50 to 57. John's purpose in this gospel is to progressively reveal Jesus as the Christ, Messiah, anointed one. Jesus as fully God. He is the Son, but he is one member of the triune God. All right? He is not God's representative. I I think this is implied in all kinds of of writings, it is implied sometimes, you can hear it some places on a Sunday, Jesus was not a lesser or a representative, Uh, he didn't just come to point to the Father, he came to reveal who the Father is, because if you understand who the Father is, you understand who I am, you understand who the Holy Spirit is. Do you hear the difference? And that's what John's Gospel is largely doing. And uh, this is an incredible revelation. And as the magnitude of this revelation unfolds, we see two responses, which I referred to the first week. Either, well, I will believe that you are a great teacher. Or, perhaps we would say, I believe you are the Savior uh, of my life. Or, he is the Lord. That is, he is the creator and the Lord of all of the cosmos. I I don't know about you guys, but when I came to Christ 40 some odd years ago, the only language we ever heard was, have you made him your personal savior? That was our gospel. Have you made him your personal savior? John's gospel here is... He is shouting to us. He is bigger than you ever dreamed. So, having said that, um, verse twenty-eight. What can we do to perform the works of God? They asked, which is ties right back to what we just finished in chapter five. My father is still working, and I'm working also. And Jesus responds, This is the work of God that you believe, cling to. Believe in the one he has sent. Now the crowd's getting restless. And they say, well, what sign are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? Isn't it interesting? When I was younger, I don't know how many times I get into a situation, and I tell the Lord, because he probably wouldn't know unless I helped him out. You know, if you healed this one, it would really have a big influence. Anybody know that prayer? Yeah. Um, so what sign are you going to do so that we can see and believe? And then they go on, they say, our fathers ate manna in the desert. And uh, and they're talking about Moses, and they say, he gave them bread to eat. And then verse 33, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, they would have recognized, remember I told you, they're, they're a... It's an oral tradition. Their their auditory memory was spectacular. They all would have known Deuteronomy 8. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Remember the the prologue. In the beginning was the word. word. By the way, this is an aside which I may or may not have mentioned. Um, And the word of the Lord came to them. You'll see that again and again and again in the Old Testament is the Word? Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God. Whenever you see that phrase, it isn't just, oh, yeah, I got this thought. The Word of God came to them. Jesus came to Okay, that's an aside. So we remember the prologue that man lives by every word. Verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. This is the first of the, the I am the that John uses. It's a formula that he uses, whether it's Good Shepherd, whether it's the the Sheep Gate, the I Am. Uh, John is repeating the theme here, which anybody who uh, comes to me will never be hungry or be thirsty again. We go all the way back to what we talked about last week, John 4.14, the woman at the well. He's saying, you'll never thirst again. I'll give you... Living water. Remember, moving water. This bread, this image of bread, is a taste of the life of the age to come. The synoptics talk about the kingdom of God. John talks about eternal life. They're essentially synonymous. They're using two different terms for one concept. It's the age to come. And you might want to make a note, Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, Ho, uh, oh, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money come by and eat without without price. Remember that? Without cost. That this is referring to that. And then verse 38, he says this: I've come down from heaven. This phrase, I've come down from heaven, is repeated again and again in this chapter. It brings people to a choice to fully accept who he is. The triune God, or accept Him in some kind of limited way, maybe my personal Savior, or He came to reveal and lead me to the Father, who's really the goal, or to reject Him. Let me give you a couple of verses real quick. You, how many of you got Bibles? Who's going to hand up with the Bible open? Okay? I'll go around this way. I'd like you in a moment, read really loud, read verse 33, 38, whoever the next one is, 50. Whoever the next one is 51, the next one is 58. What I'm saying is, he, John is repeating something again and again in this chapter, and I want us to be sure we don't miss it. Let's start cooking.
0: 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world.
1: Thanks. 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Thank you. 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Thank you. 51.
0: I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread,
1: he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Okay, I know it's subtle. But I think John's trying to say something here. He's talking about the bread of heaven, that I have come down from heaven. I have come down from heaven. Jesus is not a prophet. He is not a teacher. He came down from heaven. John is just shouting this, okay? And then he says this in verse 40, that they may have eternal life, he, w- he may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What we see in John is that eternal life begins now. Folks, I want you to realize what a massive paradigm shift this is to our traditional evangelicalism. Because for almost everyone you meet, we have been steeped in Platonism. Plato gave us an idea of, of a disembodied paradise that when I die my spirit will go and be in this other place of heaven the idea that heaven is a disembodied place and that we go to it after we die is totally future centered it makes no difference now other than did I pray so that he'd be my personal savior so that one day I get to go to this disembodied Body place let me just say this we are eternally with him from the moment we die in my opinion it's just my opinion we'll all find out one day won't we but I think from one breath to the next I'm just here and I'm in another realm okay and and yet there's something N.T. Wright talks about life after life after death and um, Surprised by Hope is a great book Theology on the resurrection, and to your right, surprised by hope. But, but what he means by life after life after death is that at Christ's second coming, there will be a physical resurrection and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, one of my favorite passages on that is Isaiah 65 17 to 23. Uh, the Bible finishes Revelation 21 with new heaven, new earth, behold, I make everything new. I, I think that what Scripture teaches us is that eternal life begins now. And prophetic people are people that live in the reality of the future, that they learn to pull that future reality into the present. When I, when I prayed for the man that I mentioned tonight, uh, who had been nine months in his bed, in heaven we know there's no more sickness, there's no more sorrow right We all understand that but we think of it it's out there. the great by and by. I believe the prophetic people were called to pull that into the future of the future into the present. And again I believe that's central to what Paul uh, John sets up in the prologue, the first 18 verses okay?
0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Isaiah 58 fund. Every month, Impact Nations partners with faithful servants in Uganda, Kenya, and India to feed the poor. Through a variety of feeding programs, hundreds of beggars, orphans, and homeless are provided with this most basic demonstration of the love of Jesus. Lots of great work is being done, but here's the thing. We want to be able to make monthly commitments to our partners, and we can't do that without monthly donors committing to giving on a regular basis to feed the poor you could help with a monthly gift to the Isaiah 58 Fund, you'll be rescuing lives. To learn more, visit impactnations.org slash Isaiah 5-8. And now, since I'm already here, let me read to you the last few verses uh, that Steve's teaching out of in this episode. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 50 through 58. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I tell you, this is actually one of those scenes I wish I'd been there for, because I guarantee that Jesus was freaking people right out when he started talking like that. Anyway, enough from me. Let's hear what Steve has to say about these verses.
1: Oh, this goes very, very deep. But in a few minutes, I hope I can just kind of take your interest a little bit. Verse 51. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I will give. What's he referring to? The crucifixion, the cross. But he's going to give that, and what is it for? It's for the life of the world. To me, this is one of the many places that speak of what really happened at the cross. Theologians refer to this as Christos victor. And it, of course, means the, the victory of Christ. I believe at the cross, Jesus went to the cross to get victory over sin, over Satan, over death. And He defeated the enemy. He defeated all the powers that be, the powers and the principalities. He defeated them by simply absorbing, taking in, all of the evil, all of the wickedness. With that, he took in all of our brokenness, all of our failure. And that's what was happening, and he defeated by not fighting back. Another day we'll talk about from the Apostles' Creed that he descended into Hades, and and he rose on the third day. But, But the purpose of the cross, in my opinion, is not appeasing the wrath of God, not appeasing an angry father. There were many a year when I preached the gospel that I would say near the end, and and Jesus took all of your sin and all of mine and all of your ugliness, and the father couldn't even look at him. He turned away, and, and all of the anger of the father was poured out. He took the penalty that we all deserve. That's penal substitutionary atonement. But I do not, for me, we don't all have to agree, but I'll go on record. For me, I believe much more that the reason it wasn't the wrath of God that put Jesus on the cross, it was the wrath of man. Amen. And that Jesus defeated by taking it all and taking it to Hades. Okay? So there's verse 51. Now, verse 53 to 58, there's an interesting shift here. And and most theologians, most of the church fathers, I give you that reference to say, going all the way back to the early days of the church, they saw this whole passage of, eat my flesh, drink my blood, as referring to the Eucharist. Do you guys know the word Eucharist simply means Thanksgiving? And, And he says... You've got to eat my flesh. Specifically, he doesn't use the most common word for eat. He uses the word that literally means to chew slowly. Isn't that interesting? Now, those of us who really literally mind and find that rather gruesome. But but if we can think a little bit metaphorically, um, it means to chew. So what do we learn about the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, from this passage? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. What are we back to? What's that key word? Abide. Menno. M-E-N-O. And remember, we introduced that all the way back. Where are you staying? Where are you abiding? And in, in chapter 1, and this word is used 63 times. Okay? And if you abide in me, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood... Menno abides in me, and I abide in him. And this is about eternal life now, not a personal Savior that when we die. This passage clearly reflects the Eucharist. The Eucharist celebrates our mutual life with Christ. I would say that Paul really opened up the revelation of our mutual life with one another, the body of Christ. We thank Paul for that. But this mutual indwelling, and Dana, earlier you referred to a verse I love, John 14, 20, I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it goes back to kind of what I talked about last week, this, this, this divine dance, Uh, ancient theologians use that term of the the Trinity. Remember we talked about that? That there's this constant activity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's reflected in this verse. I'm in the Father, you're in me, I'm in you, because I am absolutely convinced we have, because of Christ, we have been invited into the Trinity, into that divine dance. Um, So he says there's a mutual life, a mutual indwelling, What is is the nature of really intimate friendship? Well, there could be a long list, but I want to give us just a few. Because I want you to think of the Eucharist as, as expressing this intimate, intimate relationship with Jesus. What happens in an intimate friendship? Well, the people really listen to one another. Um... I remember the closest friendship I ever had. He's with Christ now. But we could be together and listen. You never had to kind of keep the other guy's interest and keep talking so that he... We could just listen. Just listen. In fact, there were lots of times we'd hang out in the evening and we'd go long periods of time we didn't even talk. Just being together. So really listening to each other. Another aspect of intimate friendship is is that our friendship enhances... Enlarges, enriches each other, and this again anticipates the activity of the Trinity, right? Because the Trinity is filled with with otherness, celebrating one another. I wrote about that. If anybody's interested, if you look on uh, on our website on the uh, the blogs, I wrote a series of eight articles recently, just finished them about two weeks ago, and two of the last three are all about this. This Trinitarian relationship and what it means for us. And then the other thing that the Eucharist celebrates is eternal life is a shift to a new kind of life. It's a shift from self to other. And it's a shift we're invited into all the time. And I always fall back on self, but he invites sin, no, 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 come on in, to other. We discover that our true joy is in living with in and for our beloved. So, on the home stretch here. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're not just remembering, and I, I know it includes that. Do this in remembrance of me, but it is much deeper than that. John 6 takes us, I, in my opinion, takes us deeper into the meaning of the Lord's Supper than. 1 Corinthians 11 does, although it's very helpful. But John 6 is it, it, it's deeper. It's more uh, almost metaphorical. Because what we learn here is when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we don't just remember, we engage. At that moment, we are engaging with God the Son. And we receive at that time the nourishment of eternal life that's why I know a number of people who take communion every single day because they understand there's a nourishing that happens. It's heaven now. And actively at that moment, we are renewed in living in Him. So, in this passage and in the activity of the Eucharist, we are back to where we started: menno, to abide, to dwell to stay together. And that is a pretty quick run through on this passage on John 6. Are there any questions or comments about it? I hope that was helpful. We're going to have to take a few weeks off, but we'll come back probably to Wednesdays again at 7.30. Uh, My wife and I have to travel to a few different nations, but we'll pick it up again in early September, and uh, we'll notify uh, on the Facebook page. So thanks for being with us tonight, and thank you guys for coming. And you have a question, Phil? I just had a, kind of a comment and I was looking at this book but so when, when Jesus, okay, when we come to Christ and you say it's heaven now, Ephesians 2 6 says, and raised us up with him and see that that's with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've always loved that verse because it reminds me that it's not just about here it's like we're in two places at once yeah Almost. which doesn't that take us back to John 151 the first week with Nathaniel you're going to see the angels of God ascending yeah. and descending yeah. this, this continual activity where heaven breaks in Yeah, that's great that's great and I love that verse, um, you know, Ephesians 2, we're seated with him, because it's it's a metaphor, it's a picture, but I think it's a picture of us being invited into the triune life of God. And, uh, so it's very good stuff. Very good. Anybody else? Before we turn it off? Yeah, just yes, kind of that helpful, because um, I've, I've wrestled for a number of months, of, you know, when Jesus says, the kingdom of God lies within you. And this adds another depth of that understanding. And, and I see it as, as, for me personally, not so much reaching forward to pull it down. It's here now. It lies within. And so it's, it's, a, it's a presence. A present moment yeah. by moment. So... Very good. It's helped to, to kind of enrich that thought for me. I, I'll have to choose slowly. <laughs> All right. That's good. That's very good. You know, it's interesting. The kingdom of God, it was in, uh, it was the third Thursday in 1982 when suddenly, ah, I saw The kingdom. Because up till then, I read the kingdom of God and my mind automatically transferred to later when I died. And at that moment, it began a journey and I found myself teaching it for 35 years. And yet, my point is in teaching it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it's multi-layered. The kingdom has come, but it's not fully come. The kingdom, Lord, let your kingdom come, but the kingdom is here. The kingdom is within you, but the kingdom's all around us. It's, it's multi-dimensional. And, and John, as I say, virtually doesn't use the expression. He talks about eternal life, but in the very same way. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty deep stuff. Okay, I'm getting a signal. I need to stop this. Thank you very
0: much. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next week as Steve teaches, you guessed it, John chapter 7. In the meantime, don't forget to check out impactnations.com slash Isaiah 58 for that Isaiah 58 fund. And of course, email your questions to podcast at impactnations.com. Thanks and have a great week.